Thanks for joining us this week on Couch Guy Hollywood with the greatest and latest movie news in Hollywood. I totally backed it up, but I'm here with Nick, and I'm here with Bunny is back. How you guys doing? What's up? I'm good? doing pretty good, even though you ruined and destroyed that intro, but yeah. it's okay. <laughs> like you didn't. What did you say? The greatest and greatest latest? Greatest and latest, but it's the latest. It's definitely the latest and greatest. Latest and greatest, and we just did all our vocal warm-ups. I didn't. But, we um, definitely did not do a vocal <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely didn't. We did a version. Um, well, this today is episode 20, which is pretty crazy. Is it? Yeah, that's, I, if I'm doing we're my fifth. math right, that's five months. <laughs> I, I, I could be wrong. If I'm doing my math right, we're one-fifth from 100. Fourth, fifth. No, we're one, a fifth. One-fifth. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Good job. Good job, guys. Yeah. Outstanding. That's pretty crazy. I didn't, I don't know, it's... I know we always, we said this a lot, like, what was it like when we were, like, a couple months in? Yeah. But I looked today and I was like, wait. I, I remembered last week. I was like, oh, next week's 20. But then I was like, oh, right. I completely forgot all week. So here we are now. So thank you for listening and thank you for getting us to 20. 20. 20 episodes. 20 episodes, not 20 views. Yeah, just 20 views. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thanks really to the 20. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, how have you guys been? Good. I mean, it feels like we haven't done this in, like... Like five weeks to be honest. Right, this has really been a long days. week. Um, I don't. I don't know. What have What have I been doing? I just got out of play practice, so that was good. There's a lot of development there. Uh, the characters are finally clicking in with everybody, and oh, yeah. it's fun to see that happen. Um, other than that, just a lot of scene scene study breakdown. Doing a lot of studying with some movies right now, um, and yeah, that's that's me. Bunny, what's, what's up, up with you? Um, what have we been doing this week? We did a what lot have you of been doing for a month. We haven't seen you in a while. Oh, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't been here for a while. So it's been kind of up and down. Um, so the, since the last time I was on the show, we talked about digital dialogue actually. Yikes! And um, <laughs> and unfortunately for me, it was not a good turnout. But anyway, um, long story short, my hard drive crashed, so I lost everything. It's all good. I've kind of come to terms with it now. Hold back tears, bunny. Joking. <laughs> so we kind of just going into the third semester now. A lot of cinematography. A, uh, lot, of a lot of different instructors that we're not really used to. A lot of... It's a different, like, shift from the first two semesters, I would say. Yeah. I was talking about it last week with um, the change in how now we're shooting our intermediate a semester earlier. Um, if, mm -hmm. you don't, if you weren't listening, if you didn't listen last week... Our intermediate is basically like our second biggest film that we're going to shoot um, behind our thesis film. So uh, it's pretty crazy that we're getting shoved everything that we would learn in two semesters. We're kind of getting shoved into one semester. Mm -hmm. Like uh, this coming week, uh, we have we have cinematography class Monday through Friday from 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, Monday through Wednesday. And then Thursday and Friday, we have two shooting days. Which are like 9 to 6 p.m., I think. For both days, yeah. So if you guys want Nick's autograph, you know where to find him. Or bunnies. Yeah. Or bunnies. Right. Thanks, Coop. <laughs> I will give him my address, but just come to Burbank. It's not that big. Uh, I want to go back to uh, your hard drive crashed. I don't want to go back there, but I don't want to make you go back there. But uh, I don't think we've really discussed this uh, ever. Uh, because I don't, I don't think... I think a lot of filmmakers and actors expect to run into the problem of actors being late on set or, you know, something's going wrong, not according to plan. Mm -hmm. But you finished your whole film, which was a total, it was 
so fun to do. I was, mm -hmm. I was a part of the project. It was great. Nick was too. And you finished the whole thing. I remember I looked at some of it with you and everything, and then I just hear, oh, it crashed. Like, I don't think many filmmakers kind of expect that to happen. I don't yeah. think you expected that to happen. What, what's your backup plan there? You know, what, what, are, you, what are you thinking? What, what goes on? What can you do to fix this? So actually, me through the digital dialogue process, it kind of went a bit too smoothly for me, which I kind of was a bit suspicious of. Like, pre-production was relatively smooth. I pretty much got everything that I wanted fairly much on time. Production was very smooth. We finished, we wrapped a lot earlier than I expected to. Looked at the footage, it was great. And then it comes to post-production and if you're a future filmmaker and you're listening out guys you don't your your editing teacher will tell you to back up your shit and you'll think no you know one hard drive is fine or this just happened to be the first time that i did not back the footage up onto my computer and i was just on my hard drive so usually with everything else i put it onto my computer so at least it's there and it's on my hard drive this time for some reason I only backed up days one footage onto my laptop and everything else I didn't. So including audio, including, including audio, everything. Right. So I just had the camera footage from day one, not anything else. So it comes to post-production and we're in post now and I put in my hard drive and my hard drive just starts ticking and then that's just how. And it never, yeah, it just didn't work. And then we brought yeah. it to, uh, Brought it to a place to get it fixed, hoping it wouldn't be too expensive. Uh, we had heard previously from our editing teacher telling us how, you know, if a hard drive breaks, sorry to cut you off here and talk for you. Um, it's like, you know, it can be expensive, a couple hundred dollars sometimes, like two to three hundred dollars is what he said, maybe four hundred. And then we had brought it into a, uh, a place that can, there's places, there's a couple places in LA, I don't I assume there's other places around, but it's probably harder if you're not in L.A. Because L.A. is just, especially we live in Burbank, it's a very film-centric yeah, place. So there's you. a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, we brought it to a place where we could try and they could try to retrieve the footage from there. It, obviously, we couldn't, it wouldn't fix the hard drive. They could just get the footage from the hard drive and give it to her. Um, and the first place we gave it to was like, yeah, no, this is... Uh, it's like too broken. You're basically, there's one place that can do it if it's this bad. And the bad thing about that is the cost for that's like upwards of $500, 500 to like $1,000 to get footage because of how broken it is, which makes no sense. But I'm not even, I don't even know. I don't know the logistics. I have no idea how that even works. Um, but I mean, no one really, no one just has, especially a student, no, not, no student has 500 to to $1,000 to just pull out of their ass, you know? And the funny thing is, is that it would have all worked out um, if, so I did another film after my film. I helped all my friends, Carly's film. Right. And Carly's, one of Carly's SD cards was not working. So I used mine, which I use for digital dialogue. And obviously when you have to do someone else's film, you have to format the card, basically erasing everything that was on that card so they could use it for their film. So me doing that was erasing all the footage from day one and two actually, so she could film a film. Like not her fault, she just had a faulty card right. and, I and I offered to help her out. 
You um, had you were you had a card on you, like yeah, right. I didn't have I had one, but it was back home. It was like I, I yeah. didn't have it. On I had me. I just had my I just happened to have my SD cards on me, so the one I had to wipe, which happened to be the camera footage one. Luckily, well, not luckily. I mean, it's useless to me now. But I found the, the SD card with the audio on it, so I've got the audio if anyone wants to listen to it. Ooh, give me a podcast instead. Make it a yeah, 10 just make it a, an audio book or something like I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, that's just my story with my um, digital dialogue film and everything. I decided I'm going to make it a personal project of mine so I can you know, have time, be on my side and make it as long or as short as I want to. So that's probably something I'm going to maybe approach later on in my um, schooling career or even, I don't know, where we now have time. But yeah. yeah, that's something that I'm thinking of doing. Um, I wanted to talk about your project in particular as well. Uh, on the set, you gave the actors, actors slash crew, a lot of freedom to do a lot of improv, a lot of unexpected outtakes. You know, not even you, you didn't even know what was going on half the time. Sometimes, uh, I don't know. I like didn't know what was going on. It makes me Nick sound like a shitty director. But anyway, no, like, but you know, that was part of the that was part of the design, yeah, yeah, yeah. the style um, of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you were, I, were you kind of an actor as well? Did you, you were kind of back acting as well. She was. Sometimes yeah, in the background. Um, so as a director, what, what, what do you, what advice would you give others uh, about giving freedom for actors to improv like that? And talk about that experience and I think how it was for you. If it, was it your first time doing, doing that, doing that kind of thing? No, okay. no, it's not. I try to do that with most of my films, actually. Um, because I've got an acting background, I kind of understand how actors feel on set or on stage or things. And it's the worst thing when a director is so restricted on you that you have no... You can't really slip into the actor's shoes, if that makes sense, because this right. actor's so... Um, the director wants a, the this action a particular way and uh, this dialogue said a particular way and things like that. So it becomes so robotic that you feel like you can't emotionally get into the character because you've got so many barriers around you. So that just for me, because I consider myself an actor-director, I mean, I'm not really an actor-director, but I've got, I've got a more of an acting background. So you're able to work with actors as an actor yourself. Yes. So, I personally do like to give actors as much freedom if it's needed on set. Um, obviously, I'm going to have my two cents in it. Like, for some things with you on Inside the Man, I was very particular about what I wanted you to do or um, the way, like, you looked or an action. It's like something very small that I felt would add to the story. But for the most part, I like to see what they, the actors do first before I step in and um, say what I want to say. Yeah, yeah. I think that all works in pre-production. Like table reads, I think what I think me and Nick learned last semester is that table reads are so important because table reads kind of get your actors excited for the project. I mean, it would be a different situation if it went straight onto set and then the actors knew nothing 
right. about what the what the story was about or what the ad director imagined in their head or things like that. So um, table reads are really important. So do you, because I have a, a little bit of a different um, thought about table reads. Do you think that, uh, shit, I just lost it, but is there a lot that needs to get out, that you need to get out of that table read? Like, do you need everything out of your actors there? Because sometimes right. there's emotional states, you know, that some characters are in, in some scenes in the script. And when you're doing a table read, it's like, how can I put all of this as an actor? How can I put all of this into the, like this little table read right now around, you know, around a table with everybody? How can I do that? You know, the same way I'm supposed to do that. Is that what you're trying? Are you expecting that out of the actor at the table read? No. No. But do you, do you, you're still trying to get them to get the idea of it? Yeah. Does it still give you an idea, even if they don't give that performance they might give an Oscar-winning performance in, in the, during filming? Yeah. I don't think that's what a table read's necessarily about, in my opinion. Like, when I think of a table read, it's more of, again, getting them familiar with the script, getting them familiar with what the director wants or what the director has an idea for the character, give them their character background, have a conversation with them to talk and have them learn about their character more, uh, it gets them time to interact with the people that they're acting with. They get to, instead of reading their lines at home by themselves and, re and then having someone else random read someone else's lines, they're reading the lines with the person they're going to be filming with. Yeah. It creates a chemistry. It starts building the stuff that you need for a set, and it's, I think it's super important. I mean, I learned that, and I was lucky enough to have pretty good chemistry with my actors, and funny, same thing. Um... So I mean, yeah, I think it's it's super important. I, but I don't think it's about getting that that amazing Oscar performance. No, I, it has not. I don't. If if my actors were to come in, sorry about that. I'm sick. I'm sick still. Some kind of. If you hear me coughing in the background, or <laughs> I can't speak for a long time. That's why. But um, God damn it. So Doctor Mungu, if you're out yeah. there, can you send up some meds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Uh, Bonnie, I'll let you go. I'll, sorry about that. So I think I think as Nick is saying is one hundred percent correct. But also for me, a table read for me one of the most important things is to get your actors excited for your project. Yeah, that's one of the most important things to me about a table read because um, you sing with them. They're you're allowing them to ask you questions about your character. Um, I remember I think it was um, I think it was Curry. Who said to me during our table read that, hey, Bunny. One of the actors. Yeah, one of the actors. Yeah. He said to me that he wanted to hear my opinion about him trying out an accent or approaching a character in this way. You know, and that's kind of where a table read kind of you can play around with those things. Obviously, we're not going to make you cry on cue or whatever, but like mm -hmm. to try out things like if you want to work on a beat on this part of the script or you wanna, I don't know, inflate a line on that line, on that word or something like that. Yeah, I, to go along with that, sorry to cut you off. I feel like also, if, when, like for me, when I'm writing a script, you know, I, I see beats and I, like, I kind of, I'm like, the scene is happening in my head as I'm writing it. Um, and I, the way I write scripts, this is kind of going off, but I'm gonna go back to what I'm trying to say. Uh, I don't write my scripts knowing an ending, which is what most people do. I write a script and I let it happen. I let it go mm -hmm. instead of people where they, they know what they want to happen at the beginning and they know what they want to happen at the end. I start at the beginning. I know where I want my characters kind of into the arcs for my characters. 
But I just, I play it out in my head. I let the scene go, and literally, I'm the scene is happening in my head. I can see it, and I write it down, and whatever happens, happens. Whatever, however it goes, it goes, and then I get to the end. And so that brings me to, like, you know, I, I can see a point where I see a beat in my head, but then I get my actors, and the the mannerisms or the way that the, uh, that certain actor speaks, it might not be right for them. The beats might not be good for them. So getting to have a table read with the actor and knowing, you know, wa like watching their mannerisms and watching how they do sometimes the beats or certain things you can tweak because of the actor. So that's really important. But again, I keep cutting off. I'll let you that's keep going, okay. Bunny. And also table reads is essential because sometimes you have a casting and you think that they are so good at the casting. But when it comes to table read and they're with the other actors in the environment, they may just not fit. Right. It's just something something that happens. So, and that point in time is when the director can be like to the casting director, okay, we need to boot this one out, maybe find someone else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is hard sometimes because sometimes they're like a week before. Usually they're like a yeah. week before you shoot. But I, I remember I was talking with Keith Powell. He played uh, Twofer on 30 Rock back in the day. Okay. And he was telling me about his first table read uh, with Lorne Michaels was there. The, he, yeah. SNL, Third yep. Rock, all that stuff. And he was super nervous. It always makes me think, like, I, whenever I do a table read, I always think of that conversation I had because it was like, oh, oh gosh, like, this could be a make or break, you know, everything like that. Because he was like, I got to get these certain beats. So, you know, it, it's nice to hear a different take on a table read because, yeah, sometimes it's make or break, mm -hmm. especially in comedy. I think comedy is a bit different at a table read. Maybe that's why versus drama because it's like, you know, if. If this guy doesn't understand the character, then right, yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna need a new actor. Luckily, also, he got the job, and he, you know, he did, he did the whole show. It also gives me kind of when, for example, like for my table read, you know, getting there and knowing how prepared the actors are, or if they if they cared about it before getting to that point. Like if we're sitting down and that's the first time my actor has ever looked at his script, I'm gonna treat him differently. If I know that that actor has never read my script. And the first time they read it is at my table read, which I guess if you're busy, you can do that. But if yeah. I know you're not busy and that you're just bullshitting to me and you just haven't done it. Busy or not, it's part of the job. Right, it's yeah, part of the job. And how, I, how do you spot that? Um, there's nothing I can do. It's just one of those that I understand that I need to pay attention to the actor on set and know that I need to work better. I need to work more with them because they're not going to be as prepared as everyone else. And that's a difficult because then the other actors are, prob are pissed off because they're like... Dude, like, come on, you know, like, I'm you not... also, sorry to no, cut you off, Nick, but also, that's a very interesting point that you bring that up, because I think, um, as you, someone who's stepping outside the script and you're hearing it aloud, mm -hmm. you can hear if someone, if this is the first time someone is reading this material. Right. It's just in the way they speak, or the way they say a line, or something like yeah. that. They, a lot of people add like question marks. Like I know, like when they say a line, they kind of question themselves. So like you literally hear like a, like I'm looking at what's in front of me. So this is gonna be weird, but like someone is reading a line and it says aluminum foil. I know it means nothing to anyone else, but they'll add they'll be like aluminum foil or like aluminum foil. Like they'll like they kind of drag it out because they don't they've never read it before. They don't know beats. They don't know anything. So well, they don't know. Um, the emotion or the right. subtext exactly. behind yeah. the line. And it's difficult, and especially a table read, we don't have time to really get the emotion, the emotional beats. And like for me, mine was a drama, so there's a lot of 
emotional stuff that was involved. And so if you've never read the script before and you're just reading lines in a table read, you're not going to be feeling an emotion, but you're also you're not going to know at all what's going on or you're not going to have that emotion that you need to have I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for it. And so it's annoying and I, I, have, I noticed it during my last table read. Um, again, it's nothing you can do. I think if anything, it kind of just gives you a little mental check on who you want, who you would cast next time. You know, like if you know that that person would come a week before or a couple days before and they don't even know the script yet, then... I don't know if that's the person I would want to cast again because if they don't really want to put that effort into my script or even want to show that, you know, they can say to my face all they want that, oh, I'm so excited to shoot this, but that's a load of shit if you haven't even read my script before. Then how are you excited for something you don't even know what it is? And it kind of gives um, people in the industry a wake-up call because um, I don't know if I mentioned this or if anyone has mentioned this on this podcast before, but like I know in our class specifically, we're very vocal about how our actors are on set. Right. And if we have an altercation with an actor, like immediately we note it on our group chat and we say, okay, this person, we had this issue, they're part of our no cast list. Yeah, we're very... Which is, which is something we're really, very anal about. Well, at least something I'm very anal about because mm-hmm. I trust my fellow classmates, my fellow filmmakers. And if they have an issue with an actor on set, I don't want to have the same issue with the actor on set. I'm going to immediately think, okay, Joe Soap had, I was... <laughs> Joe Soap. That's so was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was, um, <laughs> was, was late to Nick's set and didn't communicate with Nick. So he's going to do the same for my set. So therefore, I'm not. I'm going to minimize my casualties. I'm not going to have you on any of my sets. Right. It's a smart. It's a smart way to go about things. I feel like our class, especially, and I think I brought this up once or twice, but it's good to talk about it. Um, like we're pretty good about speaking and telling. Like when I've had problems, I'm. I just immediately tell the group and I say, "All right, guys. Like, just so you know, this person, like, I've had problems with, and I just don't want it to happen to anyone else. I mean, we're all kind of." A family at this point the amount of time we spend together so everyone wants to look out for each other everyone wants to you know everyone wants everyone to do good no one wants to have to deal with that kind of problem so having something like that and it may sound pity or petty not pity sorry it may sound petty to some people but it's, but like, if, have it's the industry and it's, right i mean if you think about think about the normal industry um something that can happen and it's kind of just what la has turned into is everyone is super nice because everyone's scared and i've said this before i believe but everyone is scared of who they're going to be mean to. If they're mean to someone and then the next day they go into an audition and that person that they just told to screw off yesterday is sitting at that desk, they're not going to get that job. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. I mean, it's similar. It's just obviously not the same. But, you know, if you're going to show up late to one person's set, you best believe that everyone that knows that person is not going to cast you. And also, I think it's the same with filmmakers as well. How many times have you been on a set where you like, this director knows nothing? And you've sat there and you're like, okay, I'm kind of like, I don't know what I need to do. This, this director is not being vocal with me, not telling me where I need to be, what time, things like that. Automatically, you're going to think, oh, no, this is how this director works all the time. Right. So I'll prefer not to be in that person's shoot. Or you see a script that um, a screenwriter or someone has presented to you. And the script is a whole lot of shit. <laughs> it's very like it's just 
a lot of errors. It yeah, there's a lot of correct format. Yeah, grammatical errors. The format's not correct, and you read it and you're like, I don't want to be a part of this project because the script is shit. Yeah, and it automatically it's a cognitive bias. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and the hog anyway cognitive bias yeah i know exactly what you're talking about yeah <laughs> yeah um so it gives you like a um a, like a an idea in your head that no because that person's writing writes like that i'm not gonna want to be part of their project because it's shit right it works both ways it works for actors and filmmakers so obviously as filmmakers are not on the clear as well i know that there's so many actors in los angeles who always want to be in films and stuff but like it works both ways. Yeah. You don't want to be an unprofessional filmmaker where the actors go to each other and are like, oh my God, Bunny did this on set. <laughs> I never want to work with Bunny ever again. Because then it toils, it, it fucks up my career. And then vice versa. You don't want me to go around to Nick or whoever and be like, oh my God, Cooper did this on my set. Mm-hmm. You probably don't want to cast Cooper in this role. And maybe it's a role that you're really good at, but you just fucked up on the day. And I just ruined your whole career. Yeah. So it's just. Yeah, yeah. understandable. You know, so, so much. It is. That was a lot. I like. I was coming up with a question, and then she kept going. I was like, oh, I came up with something else, and then she kept going. I was, and I lost it. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Um. I'm, yeah. But yeah, no. I listen just, to this woman. <laughs> um. <laughs> but no, I just I think that's all that. That's really important, and it's a big thing in the industry, and. Again, I, I already said it, but it, it might sound petty, but, but if you think about it, I mean, it, it really does make sense, and it's, it's smart. I mean, well, you know, you have someone who's really bad, and you don't tell anyone, and then, you know, your friend's like, oh, by the way, you know, I And I then you become an unreliable source, too. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Cooper? I feel like, have a sense of professionalism, be prepared, and I, even if it's your best friend... And you don't think you can vouch for them? Don't. Right. Because then, there you're the un, you're in the unreliable. And that's power. and that's also with partnerships. Now mm-hmm. that you brought that up, partnerships are important because if you're not on the same wavelength as your purse as your partner, whether you're an acting duo or a filmmaking duo, mm-hmm. if you're not on the same wavelength as your partner, it ruins both of you. Right. Because if your partner goes on some tangent, and is like says all this stuff and it ruins it like affects someone else but then it comes back to you and you're like oh no i did not say that that's not my fault Mm -hmm. it's still your responsibility it's still like your um it's still your baby right you know don't be afraid to have a voice in who you're with exactly like don't be afraid to get individual and really think about yourself as it as a filmmaker, an actor, uh, you know, Screen pursuing whatever kind of career you're pursuing in general, you know, just think about that before you jump into anything, because it could be indefinite. I'm, you know, not not really, not many people come back from. I mean, they can Robert Downey Jr., but you know, the, a lot of things are different, you know. But yeah, yeah, and the industry these days is crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's all about kind of it gets to a point where it's just all right you're checking off and it's the list is getting smaller and smaller but i mean again that's the industry you see movies now you see tarantino he's always casting the same people i mean there's a reason for that because he yeah. trusts them he has you know there's a good relationship he can like i said he can he literally can trust these people you know and that's what i think 
especially if you get to a point where you find actors who you re- who are reliable, you're going to always want to cast them. Yeah. Uh, it's like Scorsese with Robert De Niro. Right, same exactly. Thing. It's the same thing. All these big directors you can think of, there's always one person, one or two people who you see them constantly working with, whether that's a cinematographer, uh, an actor, anything. You're it's It happens all the time because they know who they can trust and why go out of that when they can, you know, they have a solid actor, solid cinematographer who they can work with. Yeah. So, yeah. Doesn't just work in the film school. It's you know everywhere. It's mm. the whole entire industry. Yeah. Do we have time for one question? One more of question. We do. Great, great. Oh, there's a few. There's a few. I don't. I don't know which one's the best one. Uh, all right, all right. This this might be all right. Uh, <laughs> will 3D stick around? 3D? Uh, no, I don't think it will. I think it'll be something different. I think. I mean. I don't know. I feel, 3D is getting to the point where it's like, I really don't want to go see a 3D movie because it's like, I don't know. It hurt. First of all, it hurts my eyes after a while. Um, and it's annoying. I don't know. Like, I wish, I, I hate having to just sit with glasses on and I have, and if I turn my head a slight bit, the screen looks different, you know? Like, obviously yeah. it's changed a little bit. It's not as bad. But if you still, like, start falling asleep and your head goes this way, you, it starts to look blurry. And then I'm like, well, like, what the hell? I, I want to lay like this. I don't want to have to sit up straight, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's more and more about, like, the Dolby, the you know, the better sound yeah. quality, the better... It's not about the 3D crap. I think that was a very... You know, there was a time and place for that. That was a very early 2000s kind of thing. It was like the, oh, you know, look at this. Like, it, the screen's going to come out at you. But it's just cheesy now. I feel like I don't know. I don't. I don't think. If anything, I think it'll get to a point where it'll be three D without glasses, where there's yeah. a chance for it, it'll work and it'll make it feel like that. You know, it'll feel like something's coming at you, but you won't need to have glasses on. You know how they have those those Instagram videos, the little ads that kind of make it seem like it's three D popping out at you. Yeah, it's all about like I, they should do something like that because I believe that's believable to me. Uh-huh. You know, we're on the topic of it. Yeah, I mean, I think 3D just looks cheesy. I mean, if think about, like, this is all I can think of off the top of my head. There's two, but, like, Meet the Robinsons. Oh, yeah. Remember, I saw that movie when it came out in theaters. I did. I was a young in. And that was a very 3D movie. The the robot was always coming out at you with its head or its arms. And, and the it, T-Rex also. Right. It was cool, but it was stupid. Like, if you look back at it, it's like, why? It's like, that's just cheesy and it's for kids. Like, I get that. But, like, it doesn't add anything. Yeah. You know? Like, it do- I feel like Dolby or, like, IMAX, something that really brings you in makes you feel like you're in the movie. But having to wear glasses, I feel like it personally takes me out of it. Yeah. Because if you take your glasses off, it's not the movie anymore. You can't even watch it. It's not watchable. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, that's just my opinion. What do you think, it. Bunny? I agree with Nick. However, I think we are going to come out the 3D stage and go into virtual reality. I like that better, yeah. I think we're going to go into a, stay, a time in cinema where it's all going to be um, in virtual reality, so we're physically in the film. Oh? Which kind of scares me, because I don't think that should be a thing. Like a Black Mirror episode? But I think that that's where technology... Is headed because VR is a very big thing at the moment oh, yeah. with gaming, and I feel like gaming and filmmaking in the future is going to intertwine. Mm-hmm. Very kind of is. And exactly, it's going to intertwine, and then it's going to come become this huge big phenomenon that I don't know if I want to be a part of. <laughs> I want to be that yeah. one filmmaker's like, nah, I want to do thirty-five millimeter film still. 
it's like 2040 and you're like I like thir- I like 35 millimeter yeah. it's like what? like and it'll be super cheap because no one wants to use it or it'll be super or it'll expensive be super because expensive no one wants to use there it there isn't any of it like, exactly um so that's where I think we hit it uh I don't think 3D is going to stay for long yeah. I think it's dying out no one wants to see it. as Nick said no one wants to see a 3D film anymore we rather sit in recliner seats oh, at yeah. a Dolby cinema oh yeah <laughs> Um, Nobody, nobody's like, oh, I can't wait to go see this movie in 3D. Exactly. I was telling Cooper earlier to kind of to go with what you're saying about like movies and games intertwining. Recently, there's been there's been so many games that have like these big stars in it. Um, the game came out. It's called Death Stranding. It has um, I forgot his name from The Walking Dead. Norman Reedus. That's Norman Reedus. I was thinking. I was trying right. To, what, so what was that he's game? the he plays the main character, and it's him. Uh, they do kind of like with Avatar, where they have a whole bodysuit on, mm-hmm. and they just do all the movements, yeah. and then it gets put in. Uh, another game that just got kind of a, his announced just was today is Keanu Reeves is in a new game. Cyberpunk. He, it, yeah, it's called Cyberpunk, and he looks seventy-seven. He looks crazy. Like that's the correct. That, yeah, that's the correct year. But it looks like amazing, and like that kind of stuff. It's like. To see more and more of these like A-list stars in these games, yeah, and no one is mad about it because like I feel like when that started, people are like, "Don't do that!" Like, why are there like, no, this is a video game. Like Call of Duty, I think was like one that I remember who started it with a oh, lot Kevin of Kevin Spacey, right? Like Kevin Spacey, and I mean he was in it, and everyone at first was kind of like, "That's weird," but then it kind of grew on people, and now it's like it's becoming the thing of having. Uh, you know, a famous celebrity becoming the main person in a video game. They so should, I'm they should do that with. I, I now I think he's more of a big celebrity, but Stephen Ogg, who did, who's Trevor in Grand Theft Auto Five. Uh huh. He's I don't know, like he's pretty good. A lot of those, it's a lot. All the motion capture now, it's kind of like motion it's, capture. It's an actor. So cool. It's so cool. Like it's definitely something I want to tackle in my career at some point. Oh yeah. Imagine being able to play as Coop. You know. Right. So, so I'm like, how <laughs> playing as Cooper? Cooper sitting next to me. Yep. He's yep. reading his lines out loud as I'm playing the game. <laughs> That'd be weird. That that would definitely be a challenge. I bet the script is like a thousand pages because it's just like new dialogue. Yeah. You know. It's just but crazy. anyway, I didn't mean to go off on a little tangent there, nah, but, but um. But no, I think I'm excited. I'm, that's a cool idea. Maybe, you know, at theaters, every seat has a VR thing. You pull it out of the seat and it gets put on. Welcome I think that's VR. where we're going to be headed. Avengers uh-huh. Virtual Reality. I don't know about that one. No, That'd be crazy. That would it's be actually crazy. funny that you speak about your first um, 3D experience. My actually my first 3D experience was seeing um, Hannah Montana's concert. Oh, wait, I did see that. Yeah. With the was, glasses? Yes. But, like, it was at home. No, for but me, no. For I, me it was I went to the. I actually went to the cinema, okay. and like Mine. I made it such a big thing. Yeah. And I remember going crazy because she extended her arm and the <laughs> microphone. And I was oh, like, oh geez. my god. Yeah. What do you guys think mine was? Um, I have no idea. Spy Kids 3D Game Over. Oh my god! What? I actually love Remember that, that one? movie. I actually love all the Spy Kids. And then like, I don't, I don't know what came out first though. I'm trying to think. I think the last. I mean, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Jaws 3D, bro. One no, of the worst I movies ever made. No, I never. I saw think that. the end of 3D. Sorry about that barking dog in the background. I thought the end of 3D was kind of like after Avatar. It kind of just like sped down. So I feel like where 3D will go, where the future of this will go, we've got four avatars coming up in the next eight, right eight years. So like, yeah, I years. think whatever happens with that, we'll see. Because now we have Dolby. Yeah, again, now we have Dolby. Now we have Prime. Now we have all IMAX and everything like this. I guess once Avatar releases, we'll see how. I need IMAX we'll with finding seats. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they gotta make it improves happen. or declines. I, I think it, I think the that's kind of a choice. Well, IMAX I, reclining seats. No, no reclining seats because it's kind of like 
I think they want to keep you engaged. But I want the reclining the seats. I don't know. Because, like, IMAX, there's so many seats shoved into one theater. Like, that's what I hate. Because in those, the only thing about IMAX is, and compared to other theaters, I don't know if it's just me, IMAX is always really hot. Because there's so many people. I've just noticed that. Like, IMAX theaters are always gross, and I don't like it the entire time. Because it's like, you're, everyone is, like, smushed together, because they shove, like, 200 people into a theater for IMAX. And then I'm like, I just want to go to Dolby and recline in my seat and watch Annabelle. You know? Like... I don't know. That's the only thing I think of, top of my head. Excited for that movie. Yeah. But, I don't know. That's awesome. a good thing to think about. I don't know where 3D could go. Who knows? 3D could just all of a sudden disappear. But I don't think it will. But, we'll honestly, see. I'd be okay with it. Maybe 3D Time will, will be the normal um, watching. Oh, God. Um, the last 3D movie I saw was in 2015 or 16. It was Chris Pratt, Passengers. You saw Passengers in 3D? That's not even a 3D movie. Why would... I I, I don't understand. No, it's not like I wanted to. I I was hanging out with a friend. You're like, we're going to this movie. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll tag along. And then, yay. I think that's my problem. It was like, we only have a 3D right now. I was like, God, come on. That's my problem, though. Why are they making movies that aren't 3D into 3D? Because then I'm just watching a movie with glasses, and it just feels like... The two characters are just a little distance apart from each other, and that's it. Like, it doesn't, there's no 3D effect. I saw Alita Battle Angel in 3D. Yikes. Yes. It's yes. cool, but like, the movie wasn't good, so yeah. <laughs> I didn't really care about it. That was the last 3D movie I think I saw. I don't, I, no, maybe I saw Us in 3D once. Did we? I saw it three times. I don't even remember. I also saw it three times. Yeah. I think I saw it three times. Yeah, you did. I, th- I think the first time I watched it was in 3D. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we did see in 3D. I don't even know, honestly. But anyway, we're talking about 3D. I don't, it's whatever. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get into our movie portion of the... Well, no. One more question. You want one more question? Yeah, I want one more. All right. You're one on a roll, guys. Yeah, we're doing pretty question. well. Uh, let's see here. This is a good one. Are film critics still worth reading? Hmm. That is a good one. I, I've, uh, I do. I like them. But at the same time, I think recently I've started to realize that I don't know if they are, because I feel like a lot of film critics recently, it's very either they pay them off to give them good reviews, yes, or they're just reviewing based on the acting. And I feel like that's not what it should be. It should be the entire movie as a whole, because if I'm looking at a 90% on Rotten Tomato movie, and then I go see the movie, and this is this is Rocket Man. Yeah. Um, like... I don't personally think it's a 90. If I'm thinking just the acting, yeah, it's a 90. That was great acting in that movie. But, like, to put the whole film, that's not a 90%. Like, I don't know. I just think if they do, they need to change the way that they review. Or the way that they... They, don't, they shouldn't just review based on solely just acting or whatever it is, you know? Because I personally... Like, every horror movie gets a bad review, and that's because of the acting. The acting's horrible in horror movies. But you got to think about more than just that. Think about the concept of a movie. Think about, you know, if something's original and has, like, a pretty decent story, but the acting's horrible, why does that get a 40%? That should get, like, a 60, you know? Like, it's okay, but it doesn't have good acting, you know? Or, like, a 50 or something. A 60 or 50 is a solid rating for that. But they get 40s and 30s. I don't know. That just irritates me about them. Bunny, what do you think? I want to hear what Coop has to say first. Um... We were talking about it with... I haven't seen it yet. I don't think I will. Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. We were ta- because, you know, they always have the early review reactions that come out. And they're like, oh, the movie was great. It was so good. I loved it. Like, 
the sequences were great, like the action was cool, like, okay, all right. I see that all the time. I saw that in Bat, like for example, Batman versus Superman, you know, Dawn of Justice, Suicide Squad, you know, I'm just picking on DC movies because they always keep like that. Oh, it was so great. Aquaman was great. And then I see it. I'm like, this is really terrible. Right. This I is agree. truly awful. Um, Aquaman's truly awful. Um, Looks cool. It had, yeah, it has potential, but does it, it kind of fails to come up. Um, so I, I can't really trust those. Sometimes I can't trust those ratings. But like when they actually come out, I, I look at Rotten Tomatoes a lot. I, I look at a variety of different reviews, and I look at a couple sources that I trust completely. But I mean, it really depends, it, and it really it really depends on on the story as well. Uh, yeah, a, a a ninety will kind of maybe heighten my expectations or make me look at them and be like, okay, like maybe I should go see this. This is supposedly really good. Yeah, I saw Rocketman. I wasn't too thrilled. Yeah. But um, it wasn't like an awful, awful movie. But does it? Does it? Looking at the ninety, it kind of just. I, my expectations weren't met, I guess. But like a movie like Glass came out, and I think it got around a thirty. I'm a big fan of that series, and I ended. I I love that movie. It, it, I don't know, it, and it kind of it kind of it's like, oh shoot, should I lower my expectations when they get heightened? It it, it really depends. I, I don't know. There's a lot of different factors that go into ratings because a lot are different. IMDb is different. Metacritic is different. Than, right. Rotten Tomatoes and the audience score is also a lot different than the critic score because critics again yeah, critics are like yikes you know they'll, mm-hmm. they'll look at it, they'll look at oh great performances but fell fell short here but you know audience audience ratings will be like like this is an enjoyable movie like I really like this it, it really depends again I'm just repeating myself or but, getting paid off like I said you know yeah getting paid off that, that could also be a thing I mean. Yeah. And also, I've been noticing recently a lot with movies that I've been getting excited for where you don't see the reviews coming out until the day it comes out or the day before, which is smart because they're knowing that, okay, I know this movie, the people that made it, they go, I know this movie, acting isn't great, right? So if that's the case and they know the acting isn't good, at least that's what I've noticed, all these movies that come out and there's no review and review until the day before or after, it's because the acting's horrible or something about it is so bad, but everything else is good. But they know that if that was to come out four or three days before, no one's going to want to go see it. Dark Phoenix came out and had a 14% or whatever it was when Yikes. it first came out, and I was like, there is no way that I'm going to go see that movie. Yeah, it's... Right, because of that. But if it was to come out the day before, if it come out on like a Thursday... My chances of me already seeing it, I because I I would go see it on Thursday night, and I probably wouldn't be as I wouldn't have as much time to really make myself think to see it or not based on the score. Yeah. So I mean, I think honestly, if I think they should, I don't know, but Bunny, I'll let you go. There's one more thing I wanted to say. I like I I think this this will help me answer the question by next week. I'm seeing a I'm seeing a, a screening of yesterday. By Danny Boyle, the one about the guy. Yeah. Everybody forgets who the Beatles are. I'm gonna be able to see that this week. So next week, depending on, I don't know if I'm gonna have to sign anything. We'll see. I might be able to give a good right. review yeah, next week. So then I'll and no ratings have come out yet. So come I'll, be able to give you an, I'll be able to give you an honest review of what I think like this is because I'm early. Review. I don't like to I don't like to lie about like oh this movie is so freaking good you know mm-hmm. like if it's not good I'll tell you it's not good you know. Bunny, I think. Um, I personally have not been one who really listens to film critics or film reviews, um, mainly because I was never really familiar with it. Before yeah. I came to Los Angeles, to me there was no concept of Rotten Tomatoes 
or I knew what IMDb was, but like I re- didn't really. Right. So only coming to Los Angeles and coming to America, America, I should say, um, was film critics and these ratings is such a huge thing because you see it from you see american movies from um somewhere else like in south africa we love all these these movies and whatever we don't really pay attention to like what the critics and stuff say so coming here it's really interesting to see like everyone going on to rotten tomatoes and be like oh this got a 64 but this got a 91 right we're talking about Beeman Rhapsody and Rocket Man. Uh-huh. Um, so, to me, I've never really been phased by it, but the one movie that I was reluctant to watch, well, still am, probably not going to watch it, um, to watch because of the IMD, no, the Rotten Tomatoes um, rating was um, Dark Phoenix. Right. Uh, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, and that's, um, it's bad because, like, sorry to cut you off, Yeah, but, like, it's the end of the series. And, and it's been pushed back. Right. There's, there's a lot of other factors that go in. Not the critics, but a lot of other factors that but go in. But still, that's movie. sad. Because, like, for me, like, I've been watching this series growing up. And to then get it completely destroyed because the critics gave it a 14%. That if, you, if any movie is under a, under a 40, I'm not going to see it. I'm sorry. That's just... I'm not going to waste my time watching a movie... In the theater. In the theater that has such a low rating. And, I don't know. Sorry, Bunny. I... Keep cutting you off. I'll let it's you go. It's okay. Um, to me, ratings are such as in this industry and in any actually performance platform. Ratings to me are such a bizarre thing because movies, plays, um, art, paintings, stuff like that is so subjective. Mm. So how does one go to a film and be like, okay, I rate this a seventy-three percent? Someone else is going to go there and be like, I rate the 63. Mm-hmm. But then, I'm assuming it's an average because not everyone can go in there like, oh, I, I think it's 73 too. I'm going to go in with a rubric now these days. I'm like, okay, good Yeah, like, I think it's so subjective. So is it really that trustworthy? Because mm. to me, it would be working on averages because not right. everyone is going to sit there and be like, yo, we all thought it was a 73, bro. It's all a 73. <laughs> It was definitely a collection of um, critics when I go see a film, came together, gave their scores, and then they averaged it out. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously going to be outliers in that. Sorry to bring in mathematics in here. But like, <laughs> if you don't know what an outlier is, it's the one person who's skewing the whole chart. Maybe it's different from everyone else. They, yeah. Their opinion's completely different. So maybe everyone else is around the 60s, but there's one person who's like, whoa, Dark Phoenix was a 90 for me. Right. You know? Um, you know, stuff like that with me just... And then it skews everyone, all the data because then it uh-huh. goes, okay, that's gonna, the average is going to be like 80-something because that one person skewed the whole data. So, right. like, to me, f- film ratings, it shouldn't be a huge thing. It shouldn't, but... I hate that we do make it a thing, which is good, because I feel like it's something that we need to, as in this film industry, have to be conscious of constantly, but I don't think that people should be relying on film critics for um, films. People have different tastes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 
All right, uh, that wraps that up. Let's move into the movie news of the week. Latest and greatest. Latest and greatest. <laughs> um, we were talking about uh, Avatar earlier, but James Cameron's directing that, but he's also producing the new Terminator movie. We haven't got a chance to talk about that trailer. Yeah. Um, I don't think it looks that great. I'm not that excited. It is a direct sequel to Terminator 2. Have you seen Terminator, buddy? Mm-hmm. Um, did you see the second one as well? Mm-hmm. So it's a direct sequel to the... To the, that one, and they they're erasing the last three. So, I personally like I like the Christian Bell movie. Uh, that's what I have to say about that. Uh, the third one was okay, and the fifth one was god awful. Uh, this one, the trailer came out like I was hyped. Tim Miller's directing. He did Deadpool, um, so he's got a good eye for like those kind of movie, you know those action movies. But yep. um, I don't know. The trailer came out. It looks just really CG'd, and I don't know. Like pretty, Terminator, pretty weak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but then James Cameron came out and said this, which kind of changed my view. Let's see what you guys think. I think the best way to think about Terminator: Dark Fate is it is a direct sequel to Terminator Two. Just said that uh, third film in the series, continuing John Connor's story, Sarah Connor's story. The T eight hundred returns a different T eight hundred with a very different role to play than what we've seen before. And then he also say, said that I think tonally. What makes this a direct sequel to T1 and T2 as, um, is as much about the tone as it is about the narrative. It's R-rated, it's grim, it's gritty, it's fast, it's intense, it's very linear. The whole story takes place in 36 hours. It's not this kind of grandiose, grandiose well, that's a hard word, complex story. It's just very focused on the characters. It's very now, it's very present, and it's just a fast white-knuckle ride. What do you guys think about that? I don't know. Like, I mean... That's interesting, and I guess that's him probably trying to cover his ass, basically. Could be. Um, him going, crap, people didn't really like this. I know a lot of people do, but like some people didn't like it, so he's trying to make it everyone... It's cool. I mean, it's cool to know that the 36 hours thing, That's obviously that's something small, but like... Yeah, but that's like... That's big. That I makes mean, you think, like, oh, shoot, like this is like a timely movie. Like, Mad Max was probably took place in right. two days. I know? saw that movie too much. I really don't like it because of that, but it's a good movie. Yeah. Um... I'll, I'll see it. I think I'm going to see it no matter what. I think... I don't know. I like the Terminator movies. I think they're mm-hmm. cool. Uh, I just... Again, if CGI is too much, I don't know. I, I CGI is cool, but to an extent. Yeah. Know? Like, I, I get it. Terminator is all CGI. You can't just... No one looks like that. You know? Yeah. You can't just have someone that looks like that or make something that isn't a million dollars to make them look like Terminator. I get that. Um, but that whole sequence in the car where he like gets shot and then he like transforms out of the car into I don't even yeah, I don't even know how to describe that scene. I don't know how to describe that either. It's cool, but if that's the entire movie, I don't want to watch that because that's just a load of crap on my screen. Like it looks just a jumbled <laughs> mess of CGI. I don't know. That's just my opinion, but Bunny, I haven't seen the trailer. So, yeah, <laughs> she doesn't have anyone to say. It just yeah. It's all right. right. It's cool. You'll have you'll have to watch it and you'll get back to us whenever Yeah. Couple weeks. I assume you'll be on soon because Ben ain't here still. So, <laughs> oh Ben, uh, I do just want to say one thing really quick about Dark Phoenix because we didn't really. I, I know we talked about it. We were we were just shitting on it, but I obviously I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> we haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen <laughs> it's it yet. Terrible. But I I know what happens. Uh, like the pretty big things that happen in the movie, and I feel like it's not as bad as we think because especially I know people who have seen the movie yeah. and they said it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Um. So, I don't know if I'm... I'm going to probably see it once it comes out of theaters. I won't see it in theaters, I don't think. But if I have, like, two hours to waste, I'll watch it. But I don't know. I, I feel like 
I, I think it might be good. Or not good, but I think it might be better than that 20%. And that, again, goes back to the whole critic stuff, and that's stupid. Because for me to make me think for all the way until now that this movie's ass, and then people come back like, it's actually really good, or it's actually better than I thought it was going to be. Cognitive bias. Cognitive right. bias. No, literally, but that's the thing. That's, and that's kind of, again, the critics. That's, what they, that's what's not good about them. And, but I should have said that earlier, but I'm just saying it now. But that's all I wanted to say about that. Anyways. That's all Continue he has on. to say about that. <laughs> From Nick Schofield. That's me. Quentin Tarantino is reportedly developing a sequel to his hit film Django Unchained. I thought he's only doing one more movie. Yes. I don't know of what it's it is apparently it's a Django Zorro crossover movie. Django was there were two of them back in like 19, I think it was 1999, and then 2007, I think the second one came out. Uh, Antonio Banderas, Anthony Hopkins, Catherine Zeta-Jones. It's about a bandit, kind of set in the same time period. Uh, it's a fun movie. Uh, I love Django, and it's supposedly this crossover movie is co-written by Jared, Car- Jared Carmichael from Neighbors uh, in the Jared cool. Car- and the Jared Carmichael show. Um, I don't know. I... I don't know what to say about this. I don't know if this is the Quentin Tarantino last movie. I, I know he's been wanting to do a Django sequel ever since Django in 2012. Uh, the Hateful Eight was supposed to be a Django sequel, but the but script I don't wa- got leaked. I don't want to see a new... I want to see an original movie. Like I want another Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's not really original, but like... Something that's unique, a Reservoir dog. Something like... Yeah. I don't want a re... I don't want... I want his final film to be something that's like... Quentin Tarantino. I I'll think, take Kill Bill three. <laughs> yeah, kidding. but like you know what I mean. Kill like, Bill three. I, I, something you know what I mean. Like yeah. I want something that or like a, any anything you can think of Tarantino that like is good, original, and nothing that anyone else has done or no one can copy. Like I want to see that. I don't want to see his last film be Django two. I'm sorry. I like Django one, I, I but agree. I really don't care to see it again. I, I don't agree. care to see a sequel. I love Django, but they close it off like a good story. Like right, I don't need to see Inglorious Bastards too. I don't need to see no. The Hateful Eight. There are some movies too. that just don't need two movies. You're just trying to make money. Stop. Um, Sorry, that was a little. Rant. But you know, if if it does go through, I mean, it's Tarantino. Right. He has a plan. <laughs> There's a plan to everything. He doesn't just he doesn't do things for the money. He does it because he's Tarantino. Tarantino. Right. Bunny, what do you have to say on the matter? I mean, I don't. I personally don't think this is going to be Tarantino's last movie. No, I don't. Even if he I, makes it, I don't. I think don't be. think he's going to end off with a Django two. I love the first. I love the first one. Yeah. I thought it was really good. I'm not one who really likes that type of film, but I loved Tarantino's twist on that type of style. I thought it was really interesting. But I want to see it. Like it was a movie that I'd see once. I've only seen it once. I think I saw it with you, actually, Cooper. Yeah. Um, probably won't see it again, but like, I don't think I want to see a sequel. But like, if he's going to do a sequel, um, I'll watch it, but I don't think it's going to be the last one. I hope it's not his last one. Yeah. I think that'd be dumb. I don't, I don't, and it's, I don't think Tarantino, he knows the legacy that he's already built, and I don't think that he would end his legacy off with that. That makes, that's not some. I don't think that's something he would do. I don't know him, obviously, but like, 
That just doesn't seem like something that he would do. And he's got Star Trek, but I know he. W- I know that. But don't, be. that's not Tarantino. Yeah. I, that's not a. That's not a seventh film from Tarantino movie. You know, like yeah. that's not what you're gonna see in theaters. I think even in, even Django Two, I don't think should be counted as a as the seventh movie because it's just a part two. You know. Yeah. So I hope that if anything. If it does come out, and you know how Tarantino for Once Upon a Time, it's like six film from Quentin Tarantino or pops up on the screen. I hope it's just like part two. It doesn't say seventh film. It says like Django Unchained part two. Or like it, I don't know. Just, I don't want it to be, the tenth, la- I don't want it to be labeled as seventh film. You'll, you'll know. You'll, I bet, I guarantee it's going to go the final, if, if it's his final film, it's going to go the final film by Quentin Tarantino. Right, oh yeah. It will. Yeah. And you'll know. If tenth. And, and it'll, yeah, it'll be crazy. And you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a speculation going around. Marvel Studios is targeting a 2022 release for a Fantastic Four reboot. Ant-Man's, uh, and Ant-Man and the Wasp director Peyton Reed is pushing to direct. Reed has publicly stated in the past his interest in setting the Fantastic Four movie in the 60s. Um, and he's, he's gone as far as to pitch it to Fox, uh, when they had the rights. God, uh, not Fox. And Marvel Studios has a few dates booked for 2022, including February 18th, May 6th, and July 19th. Um. Bunny. Bunny, start us off. You heard that little, that sigh. What, sigh. Do you, what do you think? Uh, I have a very love-hate relationship with the Fantastic Four franchise. Mm, I just hate um, it. I, obviously, I grew up with the Chris Evans, um, Jessica Alba. Oh, yeah. All that, and, and um, Fantastic Four. Rise of the Silver Surfer was my shit. I really enjoyed it. It was cool at the time. When you watch really it now, it kind of like, it's kind of ass. But um, then the recent one came out, oh, yikes. Yikes. and I was like, "What the hell is this garbage?" Uh-huh. Um, sh- like that whole um, adoption thing um, thing that they try to do with the characters. Oh, oh, with Michael um, B. Jordan. And yes, that, no, 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 no. I didn't no, see no. the whole thing. I just was that like, was a that was like a an F story that was not necessary. An F story. A fantastic <laughs> F story. Like, not fantastic it. story. I but not did good. not think it was necessary. For them to now do another reboot is just unnecessary. They must just they I must mean, just kill it off. If stop. they're talking to Fox, that's not good. A Fox. Well, this was when Fox had the rights. Now it's Marvel Studios. Right. So that was in the, this was like a past. Oh, they, he was. I thought you said he. But he's still no, no. He he was. And he still is. If he was going to Fox, I would not watch that movie. No, it'll 100% be within Marvel Studios. My thoughts on this. I love the original Fantastic Four. It sucks, but I love it. Like, Chris Evans, come on, Human Torch. It it was okay. Like, and when you're younger, it was better than okay. Um, Then, yeah, the new one came out. I remember I could tell the new one was going to be bad by the second trailer. I was like, oh, no. Like, this is not going to be good. Um, But I, so I was like, I was like, what... Can they get a Fantastic Four movie right? Like, can they do it? It, it seems like kind of hard. I, my, I, here's my idea. I think they should introduce the Fantastic Four, because it's going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe from now on. They need to introduce them, not in their own movie. They need to introduce them in a B story to another movie, a Avenger story, a, you know, something like that. They, they, like, we know what's going on, and we can develop them throughout this B or C story, and we know they're we know they're coming. We know they're they're gradually producing. It's not their movie, but it's they're a part of it. And um, 
I think that could be the right move. Um, but honestly, other than that, I, I, I don't... I don't know. I I will see the Fantastic Four movie that the Mar- that Marvel Studios creates. I'll see it. Too, I I, th- but I think they could. I think they'll do a good job. If they can't pull it together, I don't think I don't think anybody can create any kind of good Fantastic Four movie. I don't know how they. How is it going to be pulled off to if Fantastic Four's in the '60s? Well, I think that's uh-huh. just a. I think that's just a pitch. Uh, who knows? There's a quantum realm now, so time travel is possible, and this Richard Reed is possible. A different. Uh, I want to see Galactus. Called. I want to see Silver Surfer. I want to see Doctor Doom. You know, mm, I want to see Doom. who they cast as this new Fantastic Four. So, whoever's listening, what happened to the Doctor Doom movie? The Doctor Doom movie? Yeah. Um, they still talking about it? Noah Hawley, I think, is still talking about okay. it. Okay, so uh, just making sure. Yeah, I think he's he's just finishing up Legion season three. The final I'd be season. I'd be very down to see a Doctor Doom movie. Yeah, because they haven't got him right either. They yeah. haven't got any of these characters right. Chris Evans was great, mm. and Jessica Alba was awesome, but that was <laughs> about it. Um, I don't know. Who do you think? Who do you think should be casted as the next Fantastic Four? That's my question for the audience to come back with. Okay, I was gonna say you can't put me on the spot. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't even think about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll think about week. it for next week. I'll yeah. think about it for we'll, next we'll week. We'll all think about it for next week. Do you think, have anything on the matter? On that? Yeah, no, not really. I don't yeah. really care. Um, I like the old ones. Not really. Like just as a kid, I liked them. Um, obviously, looking back, they're horrible movies. It'd be interesting to see if Mar- obviously with Marvel having the rights, I think they could do it justice and they'd be able to make it pretty good. But at the same time, I don't know who's writing it. You know, that's a big thing. Who yeah. the writer is. If the writer is a writer of the old movies, then it's gonna be trash. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, but if it's an, if it's the Ant Man writer or the director, I don't want to see it. Why? Because Ant Man's okay, but to see, think about Ant Man, okay, and put it into Fantastic Four. No, 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 no. no. Well, the writer was Edgar Wright. Right. I get for the that. first one. For the first. I get one. that, but I did not. I don't think that is. Ant-Man's a decent movie, but it's not, like, great. Okay? And I, I just... I don't know. It's it's going to be a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes if I that's think, I think with Ant-Man, the thing that boosted it up was the acting, the casting right. of it. Paul, Paul Rudd was the perfect person for that specific script. If, he, if it was some other person, no one would see that movie. Like, he's the reason why people wanted to see that movie. It's it was originally Paul Simon Pegg and Patrick Wilson, I believe. Right. Trash. Simon I, like Pegg? Pa- I like Patrick Wilson. Simon Pegg too. Yeah. I, like, I think I don't know. You never it's know. okay. With Edgar Wright, yeah. Yeah. They're they're a good team. I like Edgar Wright. There's a lot to still. think. I, I personally think Ant Man's one of the best Marvel movies. Yikes. That's, that's me. Yikes. Um I think it's top six. That's not true at all, but okay. Um I think the story is great. I I, I like it. The heist the heist thing, I, yeah, I like the casting, I like the characters. Um I, the second one it's no. The second one's a fun. Don't even movie. get me into the second. Second film. one's a fun family movie. That's all. I haven't seen the second. The second one film is literally just there so that they can introduce the quantum realm and all that stuff. That's the only reason that movie was there. If Peyton Reed directs Fantastic Four, I don't. I don't know if I'd have a problem with it. I don't think I would. Uh, it really just comes down. Yeah, it comes down to the writing, and yeah. uh, it comes down to the casting. The casting as well. We'll. You'd have to see. What Evan Peters? We'll know. We'll know in a couple. Maybe a year. We, we might know. Maybe less. Maybe we'll know in a couple months. Yeah. Um, that's about all I got for today. I got some music stuff. Oh, you got some music stuff. Hit it yeah. up. Not much, but you guys know I've been kind of. I've been very. I've been not ever not listening, but you two know that I've been following all this Kanye stuff, waiting oh, yeah. for this album to drop. Mm-hmm. 
There's some pretty crazy stuff happening right now, and I'm just waiting. I keep refreshing the subreddit that I'm on uh, to figure out what's going on. Um, but, so, if you guys don't know, I've talked about it before, Kanye has this whole Sunday service thing that he does. Yeah. And so, last year, um, he had tweeted out a photo that was a picture of what looked like nothing to everyone else, because at the time, no one knew what Sunday service was, no one knew what any of that stuff was. It was a text message he had sent, and it was, like, what he wanted it to look like. In Arizona, there's this crater that, um, uh, I am blanking on, it's an artist, uh, Terrell something, I believe his name, I don't know his last name, I'm blanking on it, um, but he's an artist, and if you watch the Kanye interview, he actually, the one with, um, uh, what's his name? David Letterman. David Letterman. He actually spoke about him and like the light and like the color palettes and like whatever for his stuff and how that's what Kanye feels like with his bipolar. I don't really know how he related it. It was weird. But um, so he posted something last year and it said that guy's name and it put and he had a goat thing next to it. Yeah. And it mean nothing. But um, today or yesterday, um, actually Travis Scott posted a picture. And it said, if you know, you know. And it was a mountain, and then he had the little shush emoji covering it, and that was it. And so that's kind of what started all the speculation, because everyone's been waiting for Kanye to announce Yandi, and it he's just being stupid at this point. Um, and so there was, that was the first thing. And then a lot of like producers and stuff started posting things about him. His birthday was this weekend. It was yesterday, uh, Friday. Yeah. Um, or Saturday? Uh, I think it was yesterday. I think it was Friday. Either oh, yeah. Friday or Saturday. I don't. Yeah. I don't. It's whatever. It, yeah. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of people that are in Arizona right now where this crater is. Um, there's Kid Cudi. Uh, I assume Chance is there. Travis Scott's there. That's a weird. Like, why would Travis Scott be at a Kanye West Sunday service if there was nothing happening? Um, because he's dating Kylie Jenner, right? But Travis Scott no. hasn't gone to any of the other ones. True. Like he's True. He, he's never been to any other ones, and now he's here. Um, so people assume. Also, this is really weird, and I don't even know it. But like Easter Sunday was like seven weeks ago, and there's a holiday that is today. I don't know what it is. It's some religious thing. It means nothing to me. I have no idea what it means. But basically, that's what today is. And so the way that his he's doing a Sunday service in, I think, about an hour or two at sunset, and that's all about light, because where he is in the crater, it's all about how the light hits him. And so if he, if it's, by the time this comes up, everyone's going to know already, because the stream wouldn't have happened or not. Um, but basically, uh, there's most likely going to be a stream, a live stream of Sunday service, and that will bring a Yandi announcement of when it's going to come out. Oh, my. Uh, and it's funny. I, had, I don't know if I mentioned this, but Chance, at least on the podcast, I haven't mentioned it. He, his album was supposed to come out the, I believe it was like the 13th or the 9th of July. And his, because his name on Twitter literally had, it was, I think it was like the 15th. And it literally had the little calendar that had the date in it. And it said July 15th. Yeah. And it said new album coming out. And now his picture is the Yandi disc. Like when he released, when he first released, when it was going to come out, the picture of what the cover art was, which is that mini disc. Um, his cover art is now the mini disc, and his thing says sometime in July. Now the reason why that's important is because the two of them work together, and he's only releasing his album 
after Kanye releases his album. And so Kanye was supposed to release his album June 16th. That was kind of like the end-all set date for it. Um, and then what day is it now? Uh, I don't even know what the date is, to be honest. The 9th. So no one, I'm not sure when it's going to come. If it comes out, it'd be next week or the week after. Um, but with Chance changing his, he doesn't have a release date yet. It's all because he's waiting for Kanye to release. So if he doesn't release the album now, it's going to come out in July. But all I know is that there's 15 tracks. Uh, he's pulling out a bunch of vaulted songs from like yeah. the old era, like all the old songs, like all like the good Kanye. Yeah. He's pulling a lot of vaulted tracks out and he's working on them. So that's really exciting, and I hope there's a lot of Kid Cudi on the album. Uh, there probably will be, but uh, that's really exciting news. So if you'll if you something happens, oh don't worry, I'll be talking about it next week. Um, if not, I'll still be talking about it because this thread that I follow has so many people that are secretly working against Kanye but are still in his group that post stuff. Like, they literally email people and then they just block out the person's name and send the email in, in this group. Um, there's also a bunch of leaked songs that I've heard. Um, so it's, it's really good news. A lot of good stuff's happening. Um... But yeah, that's really all I have. There's no really new music that's come out. The new Miley Cyrus EP came out, and I guess it's a group of like four of them, and it's going to create one album, and she's just kind of releasing them every couple weeks, I think. Do you want to talk about Black Mirror, or do you want to save that for next we week? We can save that for next I'll week. save it for next yeah, week. Yeah, because I think... Uh, I want to talk about that for a minute, because I will say, though, I don't think this season is as bad as everyone's saying. Everyone is hating on it and saying that this season is the worst. I literally was reading something with every comment was saying Netflix should just take back Black Mirror season five. Like, nah. or is it season five? Yeah. Yeah. People are like, no one even wants it. Like, this is the worst. Get rid of it. Well. And I'm like, I don't think it's really that bad. Like, the Miley Cyrus episode, if you think about what it is, I think it's trying to make, and sorry, we're not talking about music anymore, but that's fine. Um, it's like taking a kid's movie but turning it on its head and making it R-rated. And that's what it is. The acting isn't good because it's kind. Of, you're supposed to treat it like that. If you go into that watching it like it's a Black Mirror episode and you're watching a normal episode of TV, you're doing it wrong. You need to go in knowing that it's kind of a teen kid show that you'd see on like Disney Channel at 8 o'clock on a school night. Like That's what it is, but it's an R-rated version. And I, I like it. I think it's cool. But I think, again, for people who are looking at it like a Black Mirror episode, a typical Black Mirror episode, that's not what it's going to be. Yeah. Smithereens, I loved. I thought it was really good. It was, I couldn't stop watching it the entire time. I didn't, it was just, it kept me engaged. I was kind of disappointed with the ending, but, I mean, that, it's writing. If you can't, sometimes there just isn't a good ending. And that's the same with the Miley Cyrus one. It was a horrible ending, but everything else was great. Uh, and then the first episode was really weird, but it was cool. It was a cool concept. And to hear that it's related to Bandersnatch is really cool. Um, Which one? Striking Vipers. Striking Vipers, yeah. So originally... Let's talk about it next week. Yeah, I'll talk about it next yeah. week. But basically, really quick, Striking Vipers, they, record, they filmed before they filmed Bandersnatch. Hmm. And then they realized that Bandersnatch in itself was its own season. So, Ban so then they went and they recorded Bandersnatch... And they put that out there, and they felt like that was its own season without anything else, which is bullshit. Sorry, that wasn't that great. And then Striking Vipers is now here, and it's just its own thing, but it's still kind of related to it, and I don't know how, but I'll get into it next week. 
I would love to talk more about Black Mirror and where I think it's going to go. So I think that's a good thing to think about. Um, Where you think Black Mirror is going to go next season or what they're going to do based on the backlash. Awesome. Catch up on Black Mirror for next week and we'll have a more in-depth review on that. Thanks, Bunny, for joining us this week. She could potentially be back next week. Yeah. And uh, again, thank you, Dutch Melrose, as always, for the music. Uh, He has some new music coming out soon. Uh, so make sure you guys go check it out. And don't forget, drop the ball. Uh, 15% off. Using the promo code? Couch guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> See you guys later. Bye. Bye.